This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Does new ICBC legislation limiting injury claims violate your rights and freedoms? Now the courts are being asked to decide. And... They're opening themselves up to uh, charges of hypocrisy. The BCNDP doing what it criticized the Liberals for doing, spending your tax dollars on political attack ads. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Pauline Christie. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news tonight. A woman in her 70s has been seriously injured in a hit and run in Vancouver. Police are looking for the suspect driver who fled the scene. Sarah McDonald is in south of Vancouver with the details. Sarah. Colleen, Vancouver police are searching for the driver who struck an elderly woman at the intersection behind me this afternoon, then left the scene. The 71-year-old victim was in the crosswalk at Southeast Marine Drive and Victoria Drive when she was struck by a westbound silver-colored minivan. The driver of that vehicle did not stop, but fortunately bystanders did, staying by the victim's side until she was transported to hospital with serious injuries. Officers later located what is believed to be the suspect vehicle in this case parked and unoccupied in New Westminster. Vancouver police are looking to track down any witnesses and any dash camera footage. Colleen, any witnesses with any information are asked to call police. Thank you, Sarah. And more breaking news. With major changes to ICBC injury claims beginning tomorrow, we're learning exclusively tonight that BC lawyers are about to fight that legislation in the courts. Richard Zussman is breaking that story tonight. Richard, what have you learned? Colleen, the Trial Lawyers Association of British Columbia will be filing in court tomorrow a constitutional challenge around these ICBC changes that are coming into effect tomorrow. What the lawyers are arguing is that putting a cap on the amount that uh, somebody can get for a settlement is a breach of charter rights of that individual, as well as changing the way in which uh, those settlements are dealt with. Uh, Ron Nairn uh, is the... Uh, president of the Trial Lawyers Association. Let me read to you now a statement from him on this challenge that will be in court tomorrow. Access to justice is a basic human right guaranteed to us as Canadians under the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, he says. The approach this government has taken to legislative and regulatory changes to address ICBC's mismanagement problems violates the rights of British Columbians. This should be about protecting the public interest, not about protecting ICBC. The government was expecting that here is Attorney General David Eby. I want to note uh, that I expect uh, the uh, Trial Lawyers Association has already been clear that they have retained counsel for the purposes of challenging this regime uh, and uh, because they believe that you can only resolve uh, disputes appropriately through BC Supreme Court. Uh, we don't obviously agree with their interpretation of the law, um, so there, there is some uh, discussion about that. 
These changes that come into effect tomorrow, Colleen, expected to save the public insurer more than a billion dollars a year. B.C., the last province in Canada to put a cap on what they're describing as minor injuries on settlement claims. Also tomorrow, an increase to basic insurance rates in the province. ICBC rates going up 6.3% tomorrow. We don't know yet how much optional rates will go up, but no doubt we'll hear a lot more about this one tomorrow. No doubt indeed, Richard. Thank you. The B.C. NDP is facing harsh criticism tonight for a tactic they slammed the B.C. Liberals for using when the Liberals were in power. As Paul Johnson reports, the New Democrats are spending taxpayer dollars on political ads that tout their achievements while attacking the opposition. Helping B.C. families buy their first home and build a nest egg. Rewind to two years ago. And you may recall the then-opposition NDP and their allies making a big deal out of the B.C. Liberals using taxpayer money to fund what many thought were essentially partisan political ads. Premier Horgan is reducing health care wait times, investing in our kids by building and upgrading schools. Now... Have a listen to this radio ad. BC Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson wants to give a tax cut to the richest 2%. John Horgan is working for everyone. No surprise the BC Liberals were ready to pounce. Black pots and kettles in hand. These are partisan ads basically attacking the BC Liberals and basically talking about what a great job the NDP are doing. The NDP government says they haven't done anything wrong here and they're just providing public information about government operations. I think uh, what we're trying to do here just to inform people about what we're doing um, for them to make life affordable and to improve services as we promised to people during the uh, campaign. Some voters told us they had a very different take on these ads though. I think there's better things that we need to be spending our money on like I mean that the ad was saying about um, education, it would be better for that to go to my daughter's school. It is definitely promoting one party, for sure. By claiming the ads are not what many people think they are, political science professor Stuart Prest says the NDP risks losing the moral high ground they've claimed to be standing on. They're opening themselves up to uh, charges of hypocrisy. But are they likely to stop? One political insider told Global News that because this money comes from caucus funds, they're technically in a gray area that allows this. And though people may not like it, you can expect this band to play on. Paul Johnson, Global News. Today is deadline day for B.C. homeowners to make a declaration on the speculation tax. The province brought in the tax to try to address the housing affordability crisis. 1.6 million British Columbians are required to complete their declarations by today. As of Friday, more than 88% had submitted. That means 190,000 people still haven't filled out the form. Finance Minister Carol James has said 99% of British Columbians are not expected to pay the tax, but also ruled out any extension to the filing deadline. A Vancouver City Councillor is calling for a major overhaul of a rental housing program that's supposed to help ease the affordability crisis. As Tanya Beja reports, Jean Swanson says the financial incentives given to developers of rental properties need to end. 
Brian McCall and Mark Donnelly applied to rent half a dozen apartments before moving into this East Vancouver suite. The market is very competitive. You have to spend a lot of time looking. It's just a lottery, I suppose. It's if the landlord likes the look of you or likes how you present yourself, then he'll give it to you. They finally found a spot at a purpose-built rental building. For the past decade, the city has given developers breaks on development fees if they create projects like this one that are entirely rental. Under the Rental 100 program, rents are also capped for the first tenants. The problem is here, because we don't have vacancy control, as soon as someone moves out of an affordable unit, their rent goes up to market value. Councillor Jean Swanson is calling for the suspension of financial incentives to developers until the Rental 100 program is thoroughly reviewed. She says while the aim was to create affordable housing, the starting rents don't meet that goal. The lowest one is almost $1,500 for a studio. The people who need rents the most are lower income people. You have to have almost $60,000 a year to afford that. City Council is expecting two reports on the program later this year. Some fear cancelling it without an alternative could put future rental projects in jeopardy. Are we actually going to be hurting the people that need it the most? Are we going to be cutting off the supply of rental? Are those rents going to go up? Are developers going to build market condo instead because it's easier and we're not creating a market that is friendly to rental development? Swanson's motion on the future of Vancouver's rental incentives program comes before Council on Tuesday. Tanya Beja, Global News. An overnight fire has forced a Vancouver meal delivery company to find new digs. 40 firefighters battled the blaze at Eat Your Cake in the 1400 block of West Broadway near Hemlock. The fire broke out at around midnight in the basement of the bakery. Crews arrived to heavy smoke and managed to stop the flames from spreading to nearby businesses. No one was hurt, but someone in a neighboring building was treated for smoke inhalation. The cause of the fire is under investigation. Eat Your Cake is hoping to be back up and running soon in a new location. There's significant damage uh, in these older strip mall type buildings. There's usually a lot of renovations over the years, so there's a lot of void spaces, and the fire was in these void spaces, and it got into the roof area, so there's a lot of damage from the fire um, and also from our crews completing overhaul. And a former youth facility in West Vancouver went up in flames last night in a fire officials are calling suspicious. The blaze ripped through the abandoned Ambleside Youth Centre at around 10.45. The closed, fenced-off building is next to the local SBCA branch in the 1,000 block of Marine Drive. It sustained some minor damage. None of the animals was hurt, but it was closed today for the fire investigation, which is ongoing. Crews were met with heavy fire in the western portion of the building. Uh, crews uh, hit the, the fire with some very, very high, or some high-volume hose. Um, they were able to, uh, to, to darken the fire down. Um, but however, due to the open floor space, the fact that it was a, an abandoned building, uh, that the, uh, the uh, fire did spread quite rapidly throughout the structure. It's the last day of March. Spring has hardly begun, and yet in some parts of the province, it's already wildfire season. The Chase area has seen two fires flare up recently. And as Megan Turcato reports, it has many wondering if we're in for another difficult summer. Oh, we noticed the smoke coming down from everywhere. Esther Michelle was on her way home from Kamloops when she noticed smoke from a fire burning on a hillside near her home. 
And it is a big concern because we are around a lot of dry area here. So, uh, and we have three homes. BC Wildfire Service said two wildfires sparked Saturday, southwest of Chase. The blaze is burning an estimated 350 hectares. Looks like they got it under control now, but it didn't look like that yesterday. The Nisconlith Band, which has reserve land in the area, said Saturday's blazes were quickly brought under control with no damage to structures. And what you're seeing now is a backburn aimed at preventing future flare-ups. Provincial wildfire fighters still on scene to mop up and patrol the area. Still, the early season flames are unsettling for some. We just moved here. I don't want to lose all the trees and the beauty around it. So it's, it's not good. <laughs> Locals wondering if another destructive fire season is in store. Well, we're not going to look uh, ahead to a very good season. I don't think uh, it's pretty dry out there yet and we don't have too much snow up there. So, I think we need to pay attention to global warming because things have changed. It's, it's not like it used to be. No word on what sparked Saturday's fires. Megan Turcato, Global News, near Chase. It's been nearly a decade since a Greater Victoria teen was sexually assaulted and murdered by her peers, two boys who'd exhibited violent behavior before becoming killers. Now, as Kristen Robinson reports, Kimberly Proctor's family is renewing their push for legislation they believe could save lives. There would be a possibility that Kimmy would be alive today if a Safe Care Act was in place. Nine years after 18-year-old Kimberly Proctor was raped, tortured and murdered by her classmates, her family still fighting for legislation they believe could save other families from similar tragedy. Cruz Wellwood and Cameron Moffat both spiraled out of control while their community, school, their peers watched. In March 2010, then 16-year-old Cruz Wellwood and 17-year-old Cameron Moffat meticulously planned Proctor's killing. Both eventually pleaded guilty to first-degree murder and were sentenced as adults to life in prison with no chance of parole for 10 years. Nothing was done, and we are forever asked why was nothing done about these two boys. The Safe Care Act, also known as Kimberly's Law, would force at-risk kids with the potential to make terrible decisions or those struggling with addiction into treatment before they harm anyone. This act will save youth's lives. Liberal MLA Jane Thornthwaite introducing the legislation for a third time. First drafted in 1998, it passed third reading before an election shelved it for two decades. Another attempt to bring the proposed law in last year failed to get enough support. The issue of safe care is a complicated issue. Um, it's one that requires balancing a lot of rights, including charter rights. The B.C. government considering the impact of forcing youth into treatment as it looks at policies and legislation to keep children safe. It is very, very raw for a family, and I believe it will always be raw. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Starting tomorrow, B.C. Ferries will be increasing service on eight of its routes. The addition of uh, 2,700 round-trip sailings is a result of the province contracting B.C. ferries to boost service on 10 routes, including Horseshoe Bay to Bowen Island and Campbell River to Quadra Island. Once extra staff are in place, there will also be additional service on the Alfred Bay Skidigate route, while service between Port Hardy and Prince Rupert will increase this summer.
We worked hard to find an agreement with BC Ferries to add additional sailings on the routes from the Southern Gulf Islands up to the North Coast. To do this, we've made a long-term commitment to increase our annual funding to BC Ferries by an additional $5.8 million over and above our current contribution. It's been said that good fences make good neighbours, but what about good benches? People living in a Victorian neighbourhood are testing that theory. As Grace Key reports, they've unveiled their very own emergency bench. They're putting the last-minute touches on a new neighbourhood bench on Leonard Street in Victoria. But if you look a little closer, you see this is no ordinary bench. It really is about bringing neighbours together to work together on projects. Inside the bench, there's a storage compartment accessible only by neighbours. It has a first aid kit and water purification equipment. There's also a solar-powered outlets to charge phones and a community bulletin board. We hope this is, you know, acts as a testament to this neighbourhood's um, yearning to be more prepared. And we hope that other neighbourhoods see what they've done and, and want to implement one in their own neighbourhood. <laughs> The bench is also in an L shape to make it easier to have a conversation with your neighbours. Yeah, we're super excited about the project. Uh, it looks great. It's a great way for neighbours to come together. It's unobtrusive. It's not metal. It's not painted in a crazy colour. It kind of fits in the neighbourhood. It smells divine. They certainly bring the community to life. We've even met more people this way. Funding for the project was made possible through a grant with the City of Victoria, but it's been a true labour of love with neighbours adding their input. And the community has been uh, great to work with. Uh, just as over the past couple of days, everyone has pitched in more than uh, I ever imagined. And without their help, it would not have been able to be completed. Designers say the idea was to make emergency preparedness more tangible and playful for a neighbourhood. Grace Key, Global News. A rather unusual spectacle in New Westminster last night. Have a look. That's the city's mayor, Jonathan Cote, a.k.a. Johnny X. He stepped into the ring last night at Royal City Centre. He's teamed up with Rish Koya, or Mr. India. They declared themselves the Royal City Defenders and took on an American pair. Cote has made appearances at past Royal City events and he stepped in to ref, but it's the first time Cote, or I should just say Johnny X, headlined the main event. He said he did it to bring the community together. Love it. He wishes politics. Uh, politics are much more violent. I was going to say way <laughs> dirtier. That's, that's nothing, yeah. Way <laughs> dirtier. More, way more dirty tricks. No kidding. What a spectacular day today. And Barry just came in and said, thanks for the sunshine, Yvonne. Yvonne is actually in charge of it. I know they don't like to say that, but they, they actually <laughs> she are, they are in charge the of the weather. No, yeah. I won't take credit for it. I'll <laughs> give it to Mother Nature. But I hope many people got out and enjoyed it today. Uh, we'll see a very similar weather picture for back to school tomorrow. But I did want to look at some of the unofficial numbers that we have so far in terms of the precipitation as we round off the month of March. So looks like we'll be in the top five at the fifth uh, driest March on record. This is out of the airport with only 32 millimeters 
millimeters. The driest would be back in 1912 with 10 millimeters, but it was the driest March for the following areas, Victoria, Comox, and Fort St. John, and the third driest for areas near Abbotsford or for Abbotsford and Prince George. So we've had a very dry March. We've come off the coldest February. We'll have more of these numbers sort of tabulated by tomorrow, uh, but there is some rain on the way. It'll be much needed. It'll have the outline or the timing of it and how much we can anticipate coming up very We need shortly. it. Yes, need absolutely. It. So April, we'll have some showers. Yes. <laughs> and bring May flowers. Exactly. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. An iconic figure of the Canadian military was laid to rest today. Colonel David Lloyd Hart was 101 years old when he died on Wednesday. Mourners gathered in Montreal to celebrate his life and rich legacy of service. On a grey March day, they came. They came to pay their respects to one of the most important figures at the raid on Dieppe, David Lloyd Hart, Canada's longest-serving officer. Being with a guy who survived the raid of Dieppe, so was such a bloodbath there. He was one of the most celebrated soldiers at the 1942 raid that cost more than 900 Canadians their lives. Pretty momentous world events, and he was a part of that, and he contributed you know, everything he had. He stayed at his communications post amid heavy fire to coordinate the rescue of more than 100 Canadians fighting the German army. He w- would rather see his unit shine, other people shine. A feat that's commemorated in a painting at the St. Catherine Street Armory in Westmount. It isn't the only painting of him there. While he returned to Dieppe for memorials, he was known as someone who liked to have fun. And he danced dingo with his wife. <laughs> and a kind soul to waves of soldiers. He was always a great friend and a great mentor, I certainly will miss him. It is possible no Canadian ever met as many soldiers as David Hart. His military affiliation lasted 81 years. He died Wednesday at the age of 101. Billy Shields, Global News, Montreal. A Canadian woman missing in West Africa for several months has reportedly been kidnapped and taken to Mali. Quebec resident Edith Blaze and her travel companion went missing in December in Burkina Faso. The group Human Rights Watch believes the two were taken captive there and have since been moved to Mali. The pair originally went missing in December as they were driving to Togo where they planned to do volunteer work. Parliament remains divided in Britain with the future of Brexit still unclear after three failed attempts by the Prime Minister. Lawmakers are set to debate options tomorrow in hopes of finding a divorce deal that could win majority support as the deadline looms. The political landscape in Great Britain is in a mess. In living history, never have politics and policy been so muddled in this country. The Prime Minister defeated not once, not twice, but three times. The nose have it. Still seems to be considering ways to bring her withdrawal agreement back to Parliament for a fourth vote. 
that the best outcome is the Prime Minister's deal. Um, but if that is not the favoured outcome of Parliament, then we would need to consider what Parliament does want to do. At the moment, all we've seen is what Parliament doesn't want to do. MPs will again vote on alternatives on Monday. A customs union with the EU thought to be the Prime Minister's most likely preferred option. This is beyond ridiculous. There is a clear proposal there that we negotiate a customs union with Europe, which will then protect the whole issue of the border in Northern Ireland. But it comes with warnings. Some senior Brexiteers have cautioned Miss May against pursuing such a move as they say it would betray Brexit. As it stands, the new Brexit day is the 12th of April, but patience is wearing thin on the continent. EU leaders question the logic of delaying Brexit for much longer. They wonder if the UK will ever unite around a Brexit way forward, whether Miss May is at the helm or anyone else. Ali Aruzi, NBC News, London. A new migrant caravan has left the capital of El Salvador and is now en route to the U.S. At least 90 people left San Salvador this weekend to join the new caravan. They're defying threats from President Donald Trump to close the border between the United States and Mexico. Trump is also pressuring Central American countries to halt the flow of migrants north into Mexico. North Korea is calling a raid on its embassy in Spain last month a grave terrorist attack. An investigation uncovered evidence that a criminal organization shackled and gagged embassy staff before making off with computers, hard drives and documents. A group calling for the overthrow of the North Korean regime has claimed responsibility. The incident happened ahead of Donald Trump's second summit with Kim Jong-un in Vietnam in February. Details are emerging after a Spanish judge lifted a secrecy order last week. Comedian Chris Rock couldn't refrain from making jokes about the controversy surrounding embattled actor Jussie Smollett. Rock was presenting an award during the 50th annual NAACP Awards show last night and brought up the scandal involving the former Empire actor. Smollett recently had charges against him dropped, which accused him of staging a phony hate crime in Chicago. What the hell was he thinking? From now on, I ain't never gonna know just you, Jesse. From now on, you don't even get the you no more. <laughs> that you was respect. So you ain't getting no respect from me. Well, from one rock to another, <clears throat> another. Excuse me. One of the Mars-like environments on Earth, Devon Island in the Canadian High Arctic, can now be explored on Google Street View. There it is. The director of the Houghton Mars Project, who undertook the Google task, described the island as a rocky polar desert with conditions similar to those on the red planet. Since 1997, the remote landmass, which is the largest uninhabited island on Earth, has been the site of field training by scientists and astronauts looking to learn more about the moon and Mars. The Houghton Mars Project team published panoramic images to share their experiences with the rest of the world. They are little and they are adorable for now. A couple in Lake Tahoe is nurturing two orphans in their home. But as you can see, these babies are a little bit wild. Meet Blaze and Y, the new fuzzy family in the home of Cheryl and Tom Millam. Barely four weeks old and weighing just eight pounds, the pair was found abandoned two and a half weeks ago. The cubs are the youngest found by Lake Tahoe Wildlife Care. They plan to release them into the wild 
when they're a little bit bigger. So cute. And staying with the subject of babies, Meghan Markle is once again breaking with royal tradition by shunning the London hospital where royals have been born for 40 years. According to British media, the former actress has opted not to give birth in the Lindo wing, where many royal babies, including her husband Prince Harry, were born. Instead, the Duchess of Sussex will reportedly give birth in a maternity hospital closer to home in Windsor. Meghan and Harry, who married last year, are expecting their first child this spring. Their newborn will be the seventh in line to the British throne. And we're going to take a look at that weather forecast. You know what? I, uh, I have to say, you've had a really good job these last couple of days. It's you've nice. done a good job, but well, you've also had a good job. No, it's nice to be on this side when everyone's happy with the forecast, happy to be outside and enjoying the sunshine, I hope. Uh, but we are going to talk about that change on the way in just a moment. If you do have plans this week, we'll get to your back-to-work, uh, back-to-school forecast first, and then we'll track the rainfall. But it's been stunning out there both days out of the weekend. Temperatures have been very pleasant. Areas inland warming up, getting closer to 20 degrees. We're still sitting at 13 out of the airport with a northwesterly wind at 7 kilometers per hour and our high today was up to 14 in areas away up to 18 degrees. We had a few morning fog patches but this is a beautiful shot this morning sent in from Melanie in Victoria and in the afternoon that we did see so we are seeing cherry blossoms in a few other neighborhoods so Rolene sent us this shot from Surrey so thank you so much. Get out and enjoy the cherry blossoms over the next couple of weeks. Areas away from the water today getting up to 18 and 19 degrees. We'll see a similar temperature for tomorrow and then it'll cool off for both both our Wednesday onwards. Here's a glance at a few of the other highs with Kamloops up to eight, the single digits for the piece at eight degrees. Your current temperatures for Kelowna sitting at five and Cranbrook at nine. Here's what we are looking at, the satellite and radar. We still have some cloud cover, a few isolated showers into the southeastern corners, the Thompson Okanagan, it'll just be for this evening, and then a nice dry start for your Monday. As we take a look at the upper level chart, putting it into play, and this is the change that we are tracking. The system that is going to bring in moisture will be late Tuesday. Most of it will be on our Wednesday. That's the wettest and coolest day. If you are making plans, Thursday will be in between systems, so a drier day and then more rainfall on our Friday. So far, that's the long-range forecast. For the piece, we're up to 10 degrees tomorrow. Overnight Tuesday into Wednesday with the temperatures cooling off, there's another system across the northwestern sections and with it we could actually see the potential for rain or snow, especially for the early morning hours and then flurries on your Wednesday. Whitehorse will also see that temperatures dropping off on Wednesday with only a high of one and a chance of flurries. Windy conditions along the north coast tomorrow with the sunshine up to 13. Caribou and central interior sunshine over the next two days and an increasing cloud cover on Wednesday. Columbia and Kootenai region rainfall making a return on Wednesday and cooling off. The tops in Okanagan tomorrow still climbing up to 16 as the high. Whistler up to 15 degrees. Showers will be late on your Wednesday. Across the island and much of the south coast, we'll start to see a transition day on our Tuesday. The wettest so far will be on our Wednesday. It cools off with only a high of 12. Some breaks on our Thursday, but get out and enjoy both Monday, Tuesday, especially for back to school tomorrow. Colleen? All right. I will follow that advice. Thanks, <laughs> Yvonne. A petition has been launched in the Okanagan to put pressure on the NHL to protect players from head injuries. It was started by a former hockey player who now lives in Kelowna. Say most hockey players have had many concussions. I probably had at least 10 that I remember and probably 10 more I don't remember. Gene Carr says he's suffered many serious head injuries during his 10 years in the NHL, something he doesn't think was taken seriously enough by the league. 
and now he's experiencing long-term consequences of multiple concussions. You know, typical concussion issues, ringing in your ears, not all the time. Uh, Light bothers me, Um, sounds bother me. Um, Anybody who's experienced a few concussions or one will know exactly what I'm talking about. And um, sometimes you just you just get upset fast. He and his partner have launched an online petition asking Gary Bettman to implement rule changes in the NHL to lessen the prevalence of head injuries. You'll never get rid of fighting. It'll always happen in hockey. But if, uh, a, like the NFL, if a player gets in an you know, um, altercation in a fight, he should be ejected from the game and fined. Brain Trust Canada launched a concussion clinic in the fall of 2018 in Kelowna. The team admits concussions are often minimalized because they can't be seen. It's a very real injury and it has very real consequences. Dr. David Ryan is also part of the concussion clinic team. He says he's seen rule changes go a long way in concussion prevention in the past. In hockey, for example, changing the body and eliminating from peewee hockey has made a huge impact. And the CEO of Pace Concussion, an app that guides patients through their recoveries, would like to see even bigger changes, especially when it comes to children and sports. To reach out to your MLAs, to talk to them about bringing forward a legislation in British Columbia around concussion protocol and safety in schools. Carr was part of a class action lawsuit that saw the NHL accept zero liability for head injuries to players and offered up a deal to the more than 300 retired hockey players of a $22,000 U.S. settlement. When I saw that the, that a, the class action suit failed, actually, it really wasn't a settlement, when it failed... They also failed to address prevention for head injuries. Laval launched the petition, NHL Prevent Head Injuries on Change.org in February. About 1,400 names have been collected. Barry's here now with a look at all that is fun in Canucks world. <laughs> well, their season is coming, coming to a close rather quickly, mm-hmm. so got to get the... If you need your Canucks, now's the time to listen. All right, thanks, uh, Colleen. Uh, next week at this time, the first-round playoff matchups will be set. And we'll know where the Canucks ended up in the overall standings. Right now, Vancouver is ninth last. They have one more home game Tuesday versus the Sharks. And then they finish up on the road in Nashville and St. Louis. The NHL draft lottery will be held a week from Tuesday. So the Canucks are crossing their fingers that maybe, just maybe, they can get some luck for once. NHL tonight, those Sharks taking on the Flames. Calgary trying to clinch the Pacific with a win in San Jose. Both teams trying to avoid Vegas in the opening round. Sharks were up 1-0, but then the Flames got busy. Johnny Gaudreau, great feed to Sean Monaghan for his 34th. And then 31 seconds later, Mark Jankowski will snap one past Aaron Dell. 2-1 Calgary. And 44 seconds after that, Dalton Prout who is an extra defenseman for the Flames most nights in the lineup, gets his first of the year, 3-1 Calgary after one, now 4-1 Flames after two. Meanwhile, Wild and Coyotes, both teams trying to catch Colorado for the final playoff spot. Coyotes three back, Wild four back. First period, Alex Galchenyuk on the doorstep, jams it past Devin Dubnik for his 18th. 1-0 Coyotes, a very late second, Josh Archibald making a strong move to the net and rips it under the crossbar. Coyotes win 4-0 to move within a point of Colorado 
and the final playoff spot. Out east, Columbus Blue Jackets in the second wildcard spot using their game in hand. They have on the Habs taking on the Sabres, who've been horrible of late, 1-8-1 in their last 10. First period, Pierre-Luc Dubois with his 25th. Shot goes in off his skate. It's a good goal. 1-0 Jackets later in the first. Oliver Bjorkstrand fires in his 21st, 2-0. Columbus. They were struggling until they beat the Canucks last Sunday, and they have not lost since. They weren't done yet in the first. Captain Nick Foligno on the wraparound. 3-0 Columbus after one. They cruise past Buffalo 4-0 in their fifth straight win. They now move into the first wild card spot in the East with 94 points. Now Rod Brindamore's Hurricanes also trying to clinch a playoff spot for the first time in a decade. Began the day just a point ahead of the Habs and Columbus. First period already 1-0 Pens. 42-year-old Matt Cullen with his seventh. It's amazing he's playing at that age. His 20th NHL season. He is 20th all-time in games played, creeping up on Steve Eiserman and Brendan Shanahan. Third period, Patrick Hornquist makes it 3-0. Pens take this one 3-1. So that's good news for the Habs, who are now just one back of the Canes, both teams, three games remaining in their season. The Whitecaps didn't win their first game of 2019 last night against Seattle, but they didn't lose either. Vancouver battled hard to a 0-0 draw with the Sounders, playing the defensive structure they feel they have to implement in order to climb back up the standings. Whitecaps have surrendered seven goals in their first three games. They promised to be much tighter defensively, and they were. Scoreless second half. Sounders with a chance, but a spectacular save by Maxime Crepeau. Caps on the attack here. Freddie Montero, the former Sounder, with a little touch there, but Stefan Fry slaps it away. In stoppage time, Caps on the counterattack. Joaquin Ardiaz with the shot. Stefan Fry with a diving save. Now Wang Inbiom with the rebound, but blocked. Now originally the referee called a penalty for a foul there, but after video review, it was rescinded, so no penalty kick. It ends in a nil-nil draw. First point for the Caps in 2019. Much better defensively and at least a building block going forward. We played a good team. Uh, we stayed organized. Our mentality was was fantastic. And I told this to the players: if we if we grow in this type of mentality, we're gonna we're gonna win a lot of games. The boys were fantastic defending. It's it was a mindset of not losing a duel, and uh, we showed it up today. All right, English Premiership, Tottenham and Liverpool. Liverpool with a chance to move back ahead of Manchester City into top spot, 16th minute. Andrew Robertson whips it into the box. Roberto Firmino heads it in, and it's 1-0 Liverpool in front. But in the second half, Spurs equalize. Christian Eriksen to Lucas Moura, who buries it. 1-1, and it looked like Spurs were going to get a point on the road, but in the 90th minute, Liverpool pressing for the victory. Mo Salah trying to head it to a teammate in front, but it goes off Toby Alderweireld and in the dreaded own goal. Liverpool gets the win 2-1. They move two points clear of Man City. Spurs in a four-way battle with Man United, Arsenal and Chelsea for the top four, so a costly loss for them. 
Welcome back. The Blue Jays do not figure to be in the playoff mix this year. They are in rebuilding mode as they wait for their 20-year-old phenom Vladdy Guerrero Jr. to get healthy and play his first major league games, hopefully in the next few weeks. But if the first series is any indication, the Jays' pitching will be a major upgrade over previous seasons. Toronto had given up just two runs in their first three games against the Tigers, including back-to-back shutouts Friday and Saturday. Now, they were down 3 nothing to Detroit in the eighth, but pinch hitter Rudy Tellez ties it up with one mighty swing to center field. That's a three-run shot, and this game is tied 3-3. Go to extra innings. 11th inning, it's uh, Nicholas Castellanos with the base hit up the middle. RBI single scores the run, and the Tigers salvage a split. So the Jays 2-2 two two in their opening series. They begin a set against the Orioles tomorrow at Rogers Center. Mariners off to a good start. Won those two games in Japan against Oakland. Had taken two of three against the Red Sox. They're looking to take three of four from the World Series champs. Seattle exploded in the third off Red Sox starter Rick Porcello. Omar Narvaez with a three-run homer made it 5-3. And then Mitch Haniger completes the Mariners' seven-run inning with this two-run double. Mariners go to 5-1 and one as they beat the Sox today in Seattle. 10-8, the final score. Final of the WGC Dell match play from Austin, Texas. An All-American duel between Matt Kuchar and Kevin Kistner. Kistner, three up on the 16th. This is a birdie putt. Needs this to win the match and close out Cooch, and he does it. Knocks down the birdie. Kistner's biggest win of his career. Francesco Molinari of Italy won the third place match. Meanwhile, in Punta Cana, Dominican Republic, wouldn't you like to be there right now? The rest of the PGA Tour playing a regular stroke play event. Ontario's Mackenzie Hughes in the mix, looking for his second PGA Tour win. Birdie at 15, ties him with Graham McDowell for the lead. But on 17, the man from Northern Ireland with the short birdie putt, which he will knock down, and that was the difference. He wins in Punta Cana, Mackenzie Hughes. Tied for second, one shot back. Tennis now, finals from Miami. Roger Federer, John Isner. Isner, six foot ten, big serve, but uh, when Federer's on, he can break down anybody, and it was very one sided today. Cross court winner there for Fed, wins the first set, six one. And second set, more Federer Magic, who really gave uh, young Dennis Shapovalov a tennis lesson in the semis on Friday. Roger getting better with age. He is 37. 6 one six, uh, four. the final, his 101st singles title. Second most all-time trails only Jimmy Connors, who has 109. And we'll finish with some March Madness. Duke and Michigan State, one last spot left in the final four. Canadian R.J. Barrett gives Duke the lead with two and a half to play, nails the three-pointer. He had 21 for the Blue Devils, but the Spartans answer Michigan State, a scrappy team. It's Kenny Goins with the three ball with 39 seconds left or 34 seconds left. That made it a two-point lead. Now Barrett got fouled with five seconds left. Needs to make both free throws. That's a lot of pressure. Missed the first one, made the second, and that was the difference. Michigan State beat Duke 68-67, so it's Michigan State joining Auburn, Virginia, and Texas Tech in the Final Four next week in Minneapolis. This is not a sports tour, but close. The San Diego Padres hosted their first 
Anchorman mascot race at Petco Park. And almost the whole Channel 4 News team competed. Emmy Award winner Ron Burgundy, sportscaster champ kind weatherman Brick Tamland, and field reporter Brian Fantana. No Veronica Corningstone, though. She's not there. Although the race was fairly tied to start, Burgundy quickly bursts into the league and by the beard of Zeus won. Here he goes. Burgundy could not be reached to comment on winning the inaugural race, but presumably he is somewhere in a glass case of emotion among his many leather-bound books in his apartment that smells of rich mahogany because, well, he's kind of a big deal. And the sign of a good anchor is your hair does not move. Doesn't move. How much racing you do. Doesn't move. Gotta love Ron. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great evening. See you back here at 11.